Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. And um, in light of that, in light of next week, I want to kind of preach a message that kind of correlates to the vision um, that we have here to continue growing and, and reaching, you know, the community and, and the lost and disciples, uh, discipleship, right? Uh, this church is, you know, one of, one of my visions is to raise leaders in this church. I don't want to be a pastor that, that doesn't fuel growth and leadership in the life of, of, its, of its members. That's not, that's not how the church should, should function. We should create leaders. We should create uh, a, a new generation of, of leadership every, every year, right? Because if we don't, then we're going to get to a, a spot where there's no one leading the church and the church will die. So we have to create leaders and um, over the course of these three years, you know, we've, I think we've expanded our, our leadership team, uh, our teachers. We have a great kids town ministry. We have an out, we, we established an outreach ministry, Bridges, uh, Bridges ministry. We have a podcast now that, which Joel tells me is, is reaching people all over the country. Even people in Europe are listening to it. That, that blows my mind when I, when I, when I think about that. And God is doing those things in this church. And uh, so through its people and its leaders, I believe that we're going to continue growing and many facets, we're, uh, we're, we're slowly growing, but we're, we're growing, and that's progress, amen? So we need to stick, uh, we need to stick with it. Um, before we get into the main text, I want to kind of talk about why Jesus established the church in the first place. The church today, I think, has become many, many things that it was not in the early days. Not, not that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's good in many ways. The church should be progressing um, but it, it's bad when we lose our mission. The mission of the church has always been to reach the lost and disciple believers. Amen. That's it. Now, the tactics might change from church to church, but but that's the mission of the church. That's the mission of our church. It's not to entertain. It's not to be a social club. It's not to be a, a place where, you know, Christian singles meet. Right. I mean, all, all those things might happen. You might meet, meet your future spouse in church and that's great power to you. Amen. Um, but but the root of our mission at its core is to reach the lost and disciple believers. And that's that's why we exist. That's not our mission statement. But at its core, that is why we are here. And so we chose to establish this English congregation so that we could reach the, the, the younger generation that unfortunately uh, is, is a dying group in many churches across America. So we still have we still have work to do. Amen. And I'm excited to see what what this church is going to be in uh, another three years from now. But with that being said, let's get into the word this morning. Acts chapter two, verses one through eight. Acts two, one through eight. And it says this, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there was a dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it we hear each of us in his own native language? And then skipping down to verse 12, it says, And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? Amen. I want to talk about what this means for the next few moments. Here we have a very beautiful passage, a very popular 
uh, passage in, in, in the church, especially among Pentecostals. This is where it all started. This is where the church began. This is where it was born. Jesus had just left. He had just ascended to heaven, right? And he, he left a final message to his disciples right before leaving. He said, go out into all the nations and disciple, uh, make, make disciples of nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He told Peter, he said, feed my sheep. He also told Peter, you are the rock on which I will build my church. Jesus, before he left, while he was here, he was giving his disciples vision. And he was laying, he was laying out the foundation uh, for them during, out, during his entire ministry. He was, he was letting them in on things that, that were to come. The kingdom of God was to come. Uh, but before that, something had to be established. The church. The church had to be established for Jesus to come. There had to be someone for whom Jesus would come and, and, and return for. There had to be a bride that would be prepared for her groom. And so the disciples, they realize this. They, they're given this vision. They know what their mission is. Now it's just a matter of doing it. And the same mission that the disciples had back then is the same one that we have today. So Jesus leaves. He feels that they're ready. He entrusts Peter with the, with the keys to the kingdom, right? And he tells them to wait in Jerusalem for the power that was promised to them, that is the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that there's, a, there's another message here that we can, we can take from. Um, the disciples had to wait. Sometimes you have to wait on the things of God. Sometimes you get anxious and, and, and you're wondering when it's going to come. But, but God is saying you got to wait a little bit for my promises to come. That's a great message, but that's not today's message. All right. I think, I think there's something else here that often gets overlooked. Yes, they had to wait. Yes, they, they couldn't get anxious. They couldn't, they couldn't manufacture something on their own. They couldn't try to make it happen on their own. It wouldn't be as effective. They had to have enough faith to know that God was going to come through. But there's something else that I want to look at. Verse 1, again, it says, When the day arrived, they were all together in one place. Do me a favor. Say that word together. Sometimes we can't even say a single word together, right? Like some people, some people say it like a second later. Some people say it a second uh, earlier. Some people don't say it at all. You're, you're too cool to say anything that I ask you to say, right? And, and, and so when we're not truly together, what does that mean? We're not in unity. We're not in, in, in the same mind. We're not in the same spirit. We're not in, in, we're not in one voice. The disciples had to come together. The Beatles had it right. Come together, right? They had to come together before the Holy Spirit and all its power could be given. They had to be in one accord. They had to be in one mind. They had to be in one spirit. Otherwise, the, the power of the Holy Spirit would be withheld. Why is this power so closely related to this idea of unity? Maybe it's because, you know, we often hear that, that saying that there's power in numbers. I believe that's true. Um, but I think there's a little bit more to it because... You can't just have numbers and expect those numbers to all be in, in unity, right? You can have a ton of people together in one place, um, but none of them are in unity. You can have a bunch of people working on a group project, and maybe you've, you've experienced this before, but nothing gets done because no one can agree on how to start the group project, right? So unity is what we're talking about, not just, not just togetherness. You have to agree so at least the English word together, it doesn't always imply unity. So I, 
You know, I looked up the I looked up the Greek word together, as I often try to do. Whenever I'm going to preach a message that that rests heavily on a on a particular word, I don't want to be wrong, right? Um, so so I I went to the to my Greek uh, concordance, and I looked up this word together, and I found that it that it translated homophron, and the first definition that I read about homophron was agreeing. Agreeing. And I saw that and I was like, wow, God. So it means more than just being together in, in a particular place. Actually, location wasn't even mentioned in the definition. The second definition was harmonious. So this idea of, of being together, it just it doesn't mean that the disciples were just in, in the same place, in the same location. They had to come in agreement. They had to become harmonious. They had to be united for the spirit to, to, to be given in all its power because once they were to receive this power, there was work to be done. There was a kingdom to build, but you can't build a kingdom when its builders can't see eye to eye. And so the Holy Spirit would not release its power unless they were together. And when we say together, we mean in unity. There is power in unity, church. We can be a church of 100 people that are united, and we'd be more powerful than the church that has 5,000 people and are not united. There is power in unity. This is why, this is why the army is so po- powerful, man, because it has the same mission, the same goal, the same target, the same enemies. We went to go see my, my brother-in-law graduate from boot camp. Uh, he, he joined the army, and uh, so we went up to South Carolina. It was so cold, man. Everything was outside. It was terrible. <laughs> but... But when we when we sat down and we were freezing to watch this ceremony, I was just I was just captured by by what I saw. It was it was it was beautiful, man, because these what 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 the army does to these young men and women, man, it's it's incredible. It's a complete transformation. It's like black and white. And I remember I remember reading one of the first letters that that my brother-in-law sent, and, and, and he talked about how he almost, he almost wanted to quit. Like, he, he got there that first week, and he was like, man, what did I get myself into? Because they, they break you, man. They, they remold you. They make you into a, a, a soldier. But a soldier is nothing without its army. So they also teach, you know, they also taught them how to rely on each other. They did a lot of uh, drills, you know, with, with teams. They assigned them in, in certain groups, platoons, often called units, right? And so when we went to go see them graduate, man, it, it, was, it was so beautiful how they were all united. Every move, every step, every chant, it was all done in unity, all in one voice. It was awesome. But imagine, I was, I was thinking about this, man. Imagine if it was completely the opposite. Imagine if it was like, you know, your five-year-old's, like, play, you know, chaotic, no one knows what they're doing. No one knows where they're standing. They don't know their lines. Right? If, if that's what I, what I saw when I got to the ceremony, I wouldn't have had much confidence in our military. But everything about it spoke unity. And, and you know, the church, we are, we are an army, man. We are an army called by God. But I think sometimes we don't, we don't have the same unity as an army. I think the Christian church today, man, it, it's... There is division among churches that have already been divided so much. I think about when the church started, 
when the apostles were, were ministering, they were, they were founding all these churches. There was, there was one church. It was one central body. And then eventually it became Roman Catholicism. And then Catholicism, it, it split into, into the Eastern Orthodoxy and then the West Church because there was some disagreement. There was some division. So now you have two churches. You have one in the East. You have one in the West. And then, and then the church in the West, the, the Catholic Church, it divided into, uh, into Protestantism, right, from the Protestant Reformation. And so from Protestantism, you get hundreds of, of denominations. And, and so I think about that. And you have all of these divided churches. And then even in our own congregations, when we're separated by, by language and, and race and doctrine, it seems like every, we got everything together. We're still seeing divisions. We can't, we can't seem to come together even though we've, we've been divided so many times. We don't have that here, right? So y'all, don't, y'all can't say amen because y'all don't know what I'm talking about. People get mad, man, when, when, when some, someone is doing something that they don't like. Oh, like, why is she doing it that way? Fine, I, I won't do anything at all. I'll just keep my mouth shut, right? Or sometimes we, it's like sometimes we do work together, right? We try to suck it up. But when we're working together, we're working together with so much tension. And is that really the same thing <laughs> as being united, tolerating each other? Okay, I'll, I'll do it, but like... We're like walking on eggshells. That, that, that's no way to be productive. It's like we've become infants in our service to God. I can imagine putting Layla and my niece Haley in the same room together and saying, okay, girls, I got a project for you. And they'd be so excited at first. They'd be so honored, right, grateful for the opportunity. They'd be best friends. They're going to work together. And it wouldn't be long before they started complaining that, that one of them doesn't let the other do what the other one wants and, and the other one saying, oh, that's my job. Don't touch that, right? That's, that's how they are. The project would never get done. You can't build a kingdom with division. Division is powerless. There is power in unity, though. And so on this day of Pentecost, we see the disciples. They're together. They're united in one place, one voice, one mind, one spirit. And suddenly, power. Someone say that word, suddenly, man. I only want you to say it because I want you to understand how quickly the power comes back the moment you release the vision. Without hesitation, the Holy Spirit steps in. Suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And the disciples, they began speaking in tongues, and, and not tongues like, like we might speak them today. These, these, were, these were other languages. They were literally speaking other earthly languages. Languages that they, they didn't understand themselves. Languages that they, they, didn't, they didn't grow up learning. I have a hard time speaking English sometimes. I, I, how were they doing it? It was only by the power of the Holy Spirit that they were able to, to speak in a language that they had, they had no idea how to speak. Incredible. Incredible when you read that passage and you see the miracle that God did when when power was given to the disciples. I want to know what the disciples had planned on doing had they not been united and had not received the power of the Holy Spirit. What would they have manufactured on their own? What kind of miracle would they have tried to do to impress the onlookers, right? This was the evidence that they received power. The evidence It was a miracle that could only be explained 
by God. So much so that the onlookers were amazed. They were astonished. That's what the word says. They were astonished. They were amazed at what they were seeing. When was the last time the church amazed the world? Think about that. We sure do annoy them. We sure do frustrate them. We sure, we sure do make them wish that we were not here. But when was the last time we astonished them? You can't astonish anyone if there's no miracles. And you can't do miracles if there is no power. And you can't have power if there is no unity. You see, you see where, where it starts? It starts with unity. And then you get the power. And then you get whatever the Holy Spirit wants to allow you to have. And then we will amaze the world. And if we're amazing the world, people are going to want to flock to the churches. They're going to want to know what this power is about. They're going to want some of their own. That's what power does. It makes you want it. It makes you desire it. Maybe we could astonish the world once again. With the power that the Holy Spirit possesses us. But we're not going to get there if we're divided, church. And I, I was thinking about this, man. These days, we got companies that are more divided than churches. We've got sports teams that are more divided or that are more united than churches. Human rights groups that are way more united than churches. Well, in the meantime, the church remains powerless because we can't decide who our next leader should be of the open position. We possess the greatest power ever given in this world the greatest power stronger than any intellect any group of 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 super smart people that get together with all their resources and all their money and, and and make this incredible company we have the greatest power in the holy spirit and i i feel like not all churches are operating in it because we can't get it together and the reason i wanted to Preach this message this morning. There hasn't been a lot of amens. This is, this is one of those messages. <laughs> I'm not going to preach next week, so you're going to get a little break. But the reason I wanted to, to bring this, this message, it's not because I, I see divisions within our church. I, there, there's definitely been some in the past, but that's not my motive today. I think I, think I would be even more. I'm not, I'm not angry, but I think I would sound more angry if that were the case. Um, I do think that we could be more together. You agree? I think as a church, we could always be more united so that we can exercise the full power that the Holy Spirit wants to give to us. But more than anything, I I recognize that division is a highly known tactic that the enemy uses to destroy progress in the church. That's why I want to bring this message. That's why. And so we need to be aware of it. We need to keep our eyes open so that we remain working as one body because we're getting into three years. As a congregation, and, and, and on, a regular, on a regular Sunday, the congregation that I see behind the pulpit today is, is a different one that I saw five years ago. And you guys look great, man. You guys are beautiful. I love it. And we're going to continue growing. We're going to continue developing. We're going to continue progressing. But we have to remember that the power to do any of those things greatly diminishes the moment we are no longer united. So remember this message this morning, church. I just wanted to preach it as, as kind of a precursor to next week. Next week is going to be a celebration. Before the celebration comes, we've got to get the little, you know, the pow-pow, right? <laughs> That's all it was. And, and I want to end with this final verse. 
verse 12. Because I said I want to talk about what this means. It says, and they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Those who were looking in from the outside into the church, they were confused. They were not sure what any of it meant. And we have that sometimes. We have a visitor. We have someone that, that doesn't really go to church. They don't have a relationship with God. And we're doing things and we're lifting our hands and we're singing worship songs. And we're, we're being so devoted to the work that we, that we do as a church. And they're wondering, but why? They're confused by it. Who are they serving? Who, who are they serving? They don't understand what it means. And so these men that were looking in on these disciples speaking in tongues, they were like, man, that's, that's incredible, but what, what does it mean? What, what am I being told here? And it wasn't until, if you read the next chapter, Peter, when he preaches, he delivers his message to 3,000, they, they all get saved, they receive Christ. It's at that moment where their eyes are open, and that's when they understand what it means, that, that power had been given to them to do great and mighty things in this world. That's what it meant. That's what it meant. That's what acts of miracles will do. Some people might question that at first, and they'll be like, what, what, is, what does this mean? I can imagine some people behind Moses in the parting of the Red Sea, and people were amazed, and they were confused, and they're like, that doesn't happen. What does this mean? And it's only until after salvation happens. It's only until after they experience on their own that power that they're going to know what it means. So church, what this means, this power that, that, that has been given to us by the Holy Spirit, it means that we're going to be able to bring in the world, the lost, the blind, and we're going to bring them in and we're going to be able to give them the vision that we have. That's what it means. That's what this power has always meant. That's what it was meant to give the church. And sometimes we take it for granted. Or maybe we don't take it for granted, but we don't realize how powerful it really is because we've never been united to position ourselves to receive the full extent of its power. Maybe that's what it is. But that's what it means. We will receive power. I want that power, church. I want that power. But I can't want it alone. You have to want it. You have to want it. We have to want it. Because when we all desire it together, like the disciples did, they will get together, we will get together, and we will position ourselves to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I want that power, church. I want us to operate in it in this church, not just from behind the pulpit, not just from the stage, but from the benches, man, from our very prayers and our very worship and our very conduct outside of these walls. We got to operate in this power. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. Let's just bow our heads this morning. And if you want to lift your hands, if you want to pray on your own, if, if you want to worship God, if you want to come to the altars, they're open. And I'm going to pray with us as a, as a church.
And let's call upon this power of the Holy Spirit as one voice, united, ready to receive it. Dear God, we thank you, my God, because we know, we know that there is in our possession, in our right, we have a legal right to the greatest power ever given. But, but sometimes, my God, we don't operate in it, Lord. And we want that day to end, my God. We want an anointing, my God. We want the power to do miracles, my God. We want the power to heal, my God. We want the power to cast out evil spirits, my God. We want the power, my God, to do the work that you have called us to do, my God, because we can try to do it on our own. We can manufacture our own type of abilities, my God, but sooner or later, my God, we're going to fail because that's what man does. But your perfect spirit is omnipotent. There is no end to its power. There is no end to its strength. There is no end to its knowledge and its wisdom. And if we could only just grasp a portion of it, my God, we will be the church that you called us to be. I want that power. Come on, just say that just for for the next few moments. Just tell God this morning, I want that power. I need that power. I desire that power. Give it to me, Lord. Give it to me, God. I want that power. I want the world to see through me. I want the world to hear through me. I want them to come to you, my God, because you have possessed us with power, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let it happen. Let it happen. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.